Hey, Katie. Welcome to Learn Real Good, a science and comedy podcast. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we don't normally intro the show that way, do we? No. You know what? This is our second recording for the season, yep. and uh, it's been clear we don't remember how it starts. We don't. We've never had a formula for how it starts. No, we totally did. We totally did. Well, now we don't. <laughs> We've thrown it out. It's yeah. the fourth season. Can you yeah. think of a season, a, a TV show that a few seasons in just yeah. like threw out some sort of semblance Total. of it? Yeah, Battlestar. What What did it throw well, out? The traveling in space. They just sit <laughs> on a crappy planet. They're like, oh, it's an exciting space adventure. No, we sit here on a cla- crappy planet. Okay, Vinny is shitting on New Caprica and I will not stand for it. <laughs> I'll do it. I don't they like it. We needed a break from space travel. The one that comes to mind for me is the intro song to New Girl, which was a oh. Zoe Deschanel uh, sitcom. And she had written this cute little song to intro the show. Okay. And after a few seasons, they just got rid of it to a, for a crappy like oh. electric guitar rendition of it. It was just weird. Yeah. Uniformly panned. Oh. Did the they go fans. back to it in the next no. season? They just stuck with it for the I, rest of the run. The benefit of the second one was that it was mercifully short. Okay. It was just like it's a throwaway thing. Okay. That's like the first thing that comes to mind for, uh, you know, throwing out a previously established yeah, yeah. pattern. But well, following the great tradition of New Girl and Battlestar, here we are. Here we are. Real we're good. real good. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're new to the show, uh, this is a science comedy podcast where we interview grad students about their research, which is the best part of the show. But before that, you have to put up with about 10 minutes of us talking. And congratulations to you. You've made it through about two minutes. So. <laughs> I think people will enjoy it. Absolutely. They also love self-deprecating humor. Check. Are you ready for science facts, facts, facts? I got so many science facts. Whoa, we only have time for one, babe. All right, then I'll give you one. (laughs) Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, Yeah, I think I usually make you go first. Sure. And that's not fair. And I want to be a good friend. And here I go. All right, Uh, Vinny, what's a thymus? Thymus. It's a body part, isn't it? It is a body part. Okay, is it a part of the brain or is that a thalamus? (laughs) You're thinking thalamus for sure. Thymus Thymus is not in your brain. Is it a gland? Yeah, kind of. Okay, yeah. it secretes yeah. hormones, I guess? No, it, it's not really. It's, it's like gland adjacent. It's like a spare liver. <laughs> it's not a spare liver. No? The thymus. No. Have you heard of, maybe you've heard of specific cells from the thymus. Have you heard of T-cells? No. You've I, never heard of T-cells? No. Oh, I, I, I prepared this thinking you'd know T-cells and not thymus. I don't know what a T-cell thymus. is. Okay, no, well, I know red blood cells. Yeah. And white blood cells. Good. I don't know T-cells. Oh, wait, are those the ones that attack? They participate in immune response. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So okay. maybe I have heard of them. Okay. So yes, the thymus is a very... It's great that you don't really know it exists because a lot of people think it's not very important. Okay. So the is, thymus is a organ that yeah. is in your chest. It's okay. between your lungs. It sort of covers your heart oh. in the front. And it's really important pre-puberty. So okay. when you're little and growing up, it's really important because it produces T cells, T for thymus, oh. um, which are a part of your immune response. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're good guys that'll help you fend off the bad guys. Great. Try to invade your body. I like those. But... As you age, as Uh you go into adulthood, it becomes less and less important. In fact, it stops making T-cells and your body relies largely on what are called memory T-cells. So it sort of has a way of making more, but they're not made in the thymus. It's the easiest way of explaining it. And in fact, the thymus gets like replaced by largely fatty tissue. So people have been going around thinking that the thymus is pretty much useless 
in adulthood. Well, I certainly did after that introduction. (laughs) You're convinced? Yeah. Uh, And in fact, people just chop it out. They'll cut it out if you have like an abnormal growth. Get rid of it. Don't eat it. Um, Or even sometimes surgeons will remove it just because it's in the way of a chest procedure for something more more important. Well, what do you think I'm going to tell you with this sort of buildup, Vinny? I'm predictable. What do you think I'm going to... What kind of a hot fact... The thymus is good, even into adulthood. (laughs) So we still don't know what it might be doing. For all we know... What kind of fact is this? (laughs) But (laughs) I'm getting to it, okay? There's a nugget of interest coming up. I can't wait. (laughs) This new study, the reason for me talking about the thymus today, looked at 2,300 adults who newly had... Maybe we should make this a video podcast because the Cause arms are you are gesturing are all over the place. I know. I'm trying to... I think it comes out my voice. Yes, you know? it does. I like it. So there's 2,300 people had their thymuses removed in adulthood and their rates of death and cancer in the next few years went up dramatically. Oh. Three times more likely to die in the next few years. Whoa. Twice as likely to develop cancer okay. in the next two years. So we don't know... Why? But it's strong evidence that perhaps the thymus is doing something That's in adulthood. Bananas. So maybe don't throw your thymus. Everyone at home, if you have a thymus in your hand yes. right now, you're walking to that compost like, bin. I don't need this anymore. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> no. My T cells are memory cells now. <laughs> Get back there. I gotta put, put it back. Put back your thymus. Uh, yeah. You you may need it. Yeah. We don't know why yet, but I'm sure there's gonna be follow up studies wow. to see what could it possibly be doing so they found other things too so the people who had it removed who developed who were in that bracket that developed cancer shortly after they found that their t-cells were less able to identify trespassers compared to t-cells oh. of someone who still had their thymus so it it's still doing like it's something still in there doing something in there it's still doing something exactly so uh more studies to come but perhaps we should stop just Throwing away no, these don't thymus. Don't throw away your thymus. <laughs> I'm going to get a t-shirt. Yeah. Stop littering thymuses, people. Wow. Keep them in there. So, that, so now you know. You have a thymus. I you didn't know. I'm not going to throw it out now. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. <laughs> for those people, you know, nowadays with the surgeries, people are removing buccal fat in sure. their cheeks. I could see the thymus if it's become a fatty organ. Yeah, like, I need to lose vanity. some weight. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> I'm going to have my thymus removed. I'm an adult. I don't need it. Guess what? You do. We don't know why. We don't, don't know ask. why. Don't ask. Yeah, <laughs> it probably doesn't weigh much either. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Of all things to remove. Well, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it really does have a function. Great. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 the whole fact. I love it. It was a long fact. No, I love a it. A fact, nonetheless. A still a fact, and yeah. it was scientific. And Check. you may have saved someone's life. <laughs> so good on you. I'm the hero of the. You're study. the hero of the story. <laughs> Great. Vinny, do you have a science fact I do, I do. Um, well, I have some bad news. Is this, it a it's negative a bad about news. thymuses? No, it's not about thymuses. Uh, did you know cars are sexist? <laughs> uh, people who buy cars, the cars themselves? No, the cars themselves. Well, the cars don't have any nope. autonomy or choice in the matter. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Oh, no. Cars? Yeah. Women who are in accident, car accidents, yes. are... Uh, 73% more likely than men to be injured 
and 17% more likely to die in a car accident wow. than men. So that does not make cars sexist. Cars are super no, sexist. No, the people who design them design them uh, for men the same way they design medicine for men. Correct. Women get for- forgotten completely. Interesting. So here's here's what they've noticed and okay. they've recently looked into is you do a study on uh, 70,000 patients who've been trapped in vehicles and found that women were more frequently trapped than men. 73% more likely to be injured and 17% more likely to die. Wow. Now, why is this? Here's the big thing. Mm, Sa- safety testing is oh. done on what? Male crash test dummies. Correct. Crash test dummies are designed. They're they're prescribed. There's like a certain weight, height, mm-hmm. size. Guess what that average weight, height, size is? The average man. Correct. Oh, and so because sake. there are some... Uh, there's like one body that prescribes a female uh, bodied. I'm talking about uh, sex here, not gender, but one female bodied um, crash test dummy. But it's it's not real. It's not actually. It's the size of a twelve year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> the average twelve year old girl is the only female uh, crash test dummy that's used for testing. Wow. Uh, and so there's a new movement to introduce a female crash test dummy to improve the results of these things. And there is a design out there, but it's not been put into use in the standards. That's really interesting. So do you have like further details of like the type, like what, what is it about being an inch shorter on average or whatever? Like what's hitting yes. you in the face? So here's the general <laughs> things are females have more injuries to the spine and the hips. Because they have broader hips, wider pelvises, and wow. they sit closer to the steering wheel because their arms are a little, little bit shorter. Wow. And so all of these things add up to being more likely to be injured if you're not testing and designing around not just the crash test dummies for that are male average, but also you have to do a female study. So I wonder what the solution is just to sort of do half of your tests or do tests on varied bodies and take the average for yes. what would be best for most considering number of people with those bodies exactly that's right <laughs> like you should test what it's like on someone who's seven foot six but not a lot of people are that <laughs> right. tall so you'd well, have to weight that lower in terms of priority yeah but however like 51 percent of the population yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to be no, for sure that needs to be considered oh that's really interesting now that makes me angry you've put me in it's, an angry head i know space, i know ben. that's not great it's 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 cars man they're sexist and how Okay, well, the cars aren't sexist. Let's be clear. The people designing cars are sexist. Sure. Now, how did it take us this long to figure this out? No one looked at it because <laughs> why? It was women, unfortunately. <laughs> Just like so many things we're discovering that thing, scientific testing is always done with men as the default yeah and it doesn't always apply women are just men but more complicated and moody right (laughs) that's what i've heard yeah (laughs) yeah so uh, we're there's a whole movement now in the sciences to undo this the this sex bias wow well i hope they do something about that i hope they do it soon because i don't have a car i've never bought a car but now i want to buy one well you do travel in a car to make sure it's designed for a woman i do travel in cars yes absolutely so that's uh, it. Really made me angry. I I'm, know. I'm, uh... I, I didn't like reading it, but I wanted to share it with people. Just to, it's so pervasive. It's mm-hmm. so insidious and subtle. Yeah. But it's always out there. Like we're gonna have to do a lot of work in the sciences and engineering to really root out this kind of unconscious bias. And we're gonna do that because we're the heroes of this story too. We did it. We saved. <laughs> we. I saved a life. You saved a life. 
Thymuses and car design. We should call it a day. Yeah, we're well. I want to meet our guests. Oh, that's right. The best yeah, part yeah, of our yeah. show is coming up now. I'm really excited. I'm excited. All right, let's say hello here. We're going to read this intro. <gasps> Good for you. Safe Nayane is a master student in the Greece Lab of Pest Management at Simon Fraser University, where he also did his undergraduate degree in ecology, evolution, and conservation biology. His research is to find attractive chemicals for stable flies, a pest of cattle that feeds on their blood and in the hopes of developing traps for them. His hobbies include watching movies, TV, and playing poker, and taking his half-dog, half-potato for walks. <laughs> He's also 25 years old and still lives with his mother. He wrote this <laughs> in Say Hi to Safe. Hello. Hey, Safe, welcome to the show. Welcome to Learn Real Good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really cool. Oh, we're so excited yeah. to chat with you. Your research sounds super, super duper cool. Very cool. Thank you. So, Safe, tell us tell us about stable flies. What's going on there? Yeah. Well, stable flies are uh, awful. They uh, are insects that hang out uh, on farms, particularly around cattle. And what they like to do is, similar to how mosquitoes like to track down humans and bite us and drink our blood, they like to do, stable flies like to do the same with cows. Mm. So if you've ever, you know, driven past a farm and you've seen cows just like surrounded by flies, there's probably quite a few different species there, but one of them is most likely going to be stable flies. Mm. So what they do is they land on cows, they bite them, really, really painful bites, uh, and then drink their blood. And over time, all of that lost blood means that they have less energy for things like milk production, growth, and Whoa. development. And yeah, so it leads to like lost weight. And I mean, kind of worst of all, just a whole lot of pain for the cows. Yeah. Because um, it's not pleasant. Yeah. That's crazy to think that a fly taking blood like a mosquito could actually lead to even measurable changes in health, right? Because we just yeah. think of them as being annoying. We sure. don't think of them having sort of any impact, but I guess they're getting bit a ton. <laughs> yeah, like hundreds of these things oh, like, wow. on them all the time. Yeah. Oh, no. Oof. Yeah, well, I could see why it would be good to get rid of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so tell us about your research. Your, your <laughs> research is looking for chemicals that these guys like. Yeah, so kind of in, in a few different contexts. So I guess kind of the, the one of the big ones is I'm looking for any chemicals that might be given off by microbes that are living on cow skin hmm. because there's bacteria that lives on our skin, on cow skin, on pretty much every animal skin. And these are usually harmless bacteria. They don't really, you know, do anything bad. But what may be happening is stable flies are able to pick up on any smells that these bacteria are giving mm. off. And that tells them, hey, there's a cow here. I'm going to go and bite it. So, <laughs> wow. That's really yeah. interesting. So what made you think that they could like sniff it out? I mean, obviously, if, if there's these flies that like to be on this animal, they have to find it somehow. So maybe it's through detecting a chemical. But do we know of other other bugs that do that? Yeah. Yeah, so this was kind of inspired by research that was done with mosquitoes on humans. Mm -hmm. So it's been shown that depending on what your uh, skin microbiome is, that can make you more attractive to mosquitoes. So if you've ever wondered why I like, you know, you get bit by a ton of mosquitoes while the person standing next to you is totally fine, it may be because you have a slightly different um, skin microbiome hmm. than that other person. Wow, I'm going to yeah. trade microbiomes with that person. Yeah. 
So do you think, so if you found out, and we'll get to what your, some of your findings are mm-hmm. so far, but sure. if you were to find like uh, E. coli B, like a specific microbe was like super attractive to these bad bugs, it, do you think there's a way of like changing the cow's diet to minimize them? Like, could you, do you think diet affects the things on the outside of your body like it does on the inside of your body? It's, it's possible uh, to kind of change the diet of or what you're feeding your cows in order to make it so that there's fewer of those like really attractive microbes on mm. wherever um, because there's also going to be lots of those in cow feces which is where the flies laid their eggs mm. um, but i think that perhaps uh like an alternative way or the way that myself and some of my lab mates are trying to figure out is to use that information to kind of develop some traps and Hmm. see like, okay, so we know that this particular chemical, the flies love it. So let's just Mm -hmm. put a bunch of that into Uh. this trap. And then the flies will ideally go for it and not the actual cows. And then a problem solved. Right. So like a little bit of cheese for the mouse. Yeah. Yeah. So if I've never been to a farm safe, would I have ever seen a stable fly? Like, do they only go to like farmy places or are they around us right now? Um, most likely they're, they're going to be pretty much isolated in like farm areas because mm-hmm. their, their primary hosts are going to be things like, like cows. They'll also mm-hmm. go for like horses and, and, you know, things like that. But for the most part, it'll be in that environment. Having said that, uh, I have, heard of you know reports and stories of people like camping and getting bit by them nowhere near farms um there's also a lot of studies that have been done i think down in florida like not anywhere near farms and yet somehow there's just a bunch of stable flies around interesting so it's likely they're finding alternative hosts maybe like armadillos yeah Yeah. something house cats (laughs) now stable flies do they like i'm picturing just like a house fly is is am i on like the right ballpark Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're about the same size. They look very similar. Some of the differences between um, stable flies and a lot of the flies that you'll typically see are uh, in like their mouth parts. So flies like a really common fly that you'll see around, you know, those like kind of shiny green looking flies. Yeah. Yeah. So those ones have, um, those are blow flies. And so they have like spongy mouth parts which means okay. they're basically doing like duck face the whole time. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, whereas stable flies and other biting insects like mosquitoes as well will have like a proboscis. So like okay. basically just a big needle for a mouth and then that they use to both, you know, cut into whatever animal they're feeding on as well as uh, drink their blood. Wow. What a life. Yeah. yeah. Not a great one. I wouldn't trade my teeth for a proboscis. <laughs> Let's put it out there. What about your thymus? <laughs> no, not anymore. Last week, maybe I would have. Um, so, Safe, what did you find? Have you found specific chemicals that they that they like? Uh, yeah, so we, we haven't yet isolated exactly which chemicals they're after. Mm. Um, but we do know of a few um, bacterial species that Ooh. kind of did the trick for them. Okay. Um, so there was a few different species of Staphylococcus which is mm. a super common skin microbe. So it's kind of like not super surprising that that was the one that they're that they're going after. And so what we did was basically swabbed a cow skin, put that swab on some agar, grew that overnight, and then we had a, basically a big cocktail of 
a whole bunch of bacteria that was then like isolated out and then we identified it and it was a whole process. But ultimately, we ended up with individual bacteria that we could then present to the flies and say like, hey, do you like this one? No. Okay. Do you like this one? <laughs> nope. Okay. Do you like this one? Until eventually they were like, hey, we like this Staphylococcus species. Wow. So you basically did focus group for like Axe body spray for stable flies. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Okay. I get this. I get this. So I want to, this is too, too interesting. How do you, how did you conduct this taste test? Like if I'm doing this with Vinny and I'm I'm testing different Axe body sprays, which is an experiment we may have to do in the future. I could yeah. tell from his facial expressions, his mm-hmm. wincing, his moving away that he does not like something. Or moving closer. <laughs> if you like it. Yeah. So how do you do that with a fly? Is it that like how much time they spend on a plate? Or do you have a plate with a bunch of bacteria and you look at which zone it's in? Like how do you know what the do they fly fill out likes? a survey after? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we um we have these things called uh olfactometers, which is a fancy Whoa. way of seeing yeah, it's a fancy way of seeing plastic box. Okay. <laughs> and it has like it has like three sections in it and in the middle section uh we put like 20 flies and in one of the side sections we have a, a plate of bacteria hmm. and then in the other side section we have an agar plate as our control and so we put everything in there leave it for like 24 hours come back and then count up how many flies are on each side so if there's a whole bunch of them okay. now on the bacteria that means they're attracted they're into it. it okay yeah yeah wow this is amazing that's crazy yeah. yeah and so how many different like microbes did you have to test uh we id'd something like 40 different species Whoa. i think we got through about half of them before we found like a an attractive one okay um and then didn't bother with the other ones yeah, because sure. yeah laziness <laughs> yeah were you able to sort of go back to like looking at the actual cows and be like, oh yeah, I remember Fred the cow was just riddled with stable <laughs> flies and he was coated in Staphylococcus, so that makes sense right. now. Like, were you able to sort of pair it with real cow experience <laughs> <laughs> compared to the petri dishes? That's that's a that's a great idea. We we didn't do that, but I mean that's a kind of a perfect follow up study to kind of verify the results. Is like go out into the field look for the cows that are getting attacked more than others. And then, hey, do these ones also have high amounts of Staphylococcus? Mm-hmm. So, well, it sounds like we have a yeah. project yeah. safe. We'll talk yeah. after the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Do you, so I know say, there was a study that came out a few years ago, this really cool study with zebras. This will come back to cows. Yeah. Um, and looked at which zebras would be a... Uh, or it was looking at zebra stripes, mm-hmm. a potential reason for right. zebra sti- stripes being, you know where I'm going with this, that it um, the stripes made it harder for the insects to sort of land on them. Do you know of any sort yeah. of coloring mechanism in cows with stable flies? Like maybe that's why they're Ooh. spotted. Striped cows. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know striped striped cows. We'd have to call them zebra cows? Zows? Zows. Zowie yeah. zow zows. <laughs> But uh, do you know of any any sort of relationship with color and fly landing on cows? Yeah, well, there's um, so actually a couple things. Um, so regarding coloration and basically visual cues in general, um, that's another like huge, huge area of research in stable flies. In fact, mm. some other members of my lab also um, look into that. So it's yeah, there's absolutely there's going to be a huge visual component to it, not to like 
shoot myself in the foot or anything, but I think it might even be more important than the chemical stuff. It, wow. it is the visual well, stuff. Double whammy. You got a double whammy. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, a part of that is flies have these like gigantic eyes and antennae, which mm-hmm. they use for chemical uh, reception. Their antennae are rather small. So mm-hmm. it's probably more a visual thing than a chemical thing. But I didn't know that when I started my uh, degree. So right. let's just pretend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you still found a pattern, right? Yeah. You found yeah. a pattern through all the other noise and other factors. So it's it's yeah. doing something. I mean, once you start getting those fake cows with the coloration, you can still yeah. smear them with staphylococcus. <laughs> I don't mean the the flies will be like, this is I've hit the jackpot. <laughs> but little do they know. Related to that, there was a kind of a follow-up study to the one you were just mentioning, Katie, where they they literally painted cows like they striped like oh. with black and white stripes, and I I think it was with uh, tsetse, which is another biting fly, and I I think they showed that when you have a cow that's striped like a zebra, the flies don't really Whoa. go for it. So it's uh, amazing. Yeah. So it's coming. We just need a couple mutations and a few thousand years striped <laughs> yeah. cows. Yeah. Invest in striped cows now. Yeah. Get get in on the ground floor. When I go camping, can I wear like a striped suit? <laughs> yeah, or like mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah, like Beetlejuice. He probably doesn't get <laughs> like Beetlejuice. He doesn't get bit by hey, mosquitoes. What's his name? Beetle Whoa. juice. Oh. There's something there, guys. Yeah, maybe that's what you're going to discover. Some <laughs> beetle juice. So, <laughs> I don't know much about bacteria safe. I don't. I've heard of staph infections, yeah. and I'm, I'm assuming that's related to Staphylococcus. What are bacteria really making different chemicals that you could smell them out? Well, not us, but yeah. they could. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, they do. Um, it's wow. it's kind of crazy to think about, though, when like the amount of bacteria on like a petri dish that you can very easily smell, that's not going to be the same. That's on that yeah. same area of a cow, right? right? So the smell it, it should be like way more dilute, and yet they're able to pick up on these cues, which is pretty insane uh, when you think about it. But yeah, it's and they also they also have quite a different range in both what types of chemicals they emit, but also the amounts of chemicals. Um, so for mm. instance, one of the like parts of that study was we were thinking ammonia was a big mm. factor in uh, attracting the flies. Like that was probably one of the chemicals that they're going after. So what we did was we kind of measured the amounts of ammonia being released by all those like 40 some uh, mm. species. And it was like all over the place. Some of them had like none. Some of them had like dangerously high amounts. And okay. it was just like crazy. So yeah, it's 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 really amazing how much diversity there is in yeah. the types of chemicals that are released. Whew. It's yeah. a very cool study. What, yeah. were, what were some of the this this sounds really whenever I hear people like molecular biologists, I'm like this sounds way harder than what I did. What were some of the biggest challenges of the, uh, that are part of this project that you did? Um, uh, the all of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, that sounds yeah. right. <laughs> um, I think uh, early on. One of the big challenges was uh, separating all of the individual oh. bacteria. Oof. So, like, yeah, how do you do that? Uh, you just kind of take a very fine, sterile toothpick. It's yeah, it's literally toothpicks. Very, very high science wow. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you just take toothpicks and very carefully try to pick out one. It's like a claw machine almost. Mm-hmm. Try to wow. pick out one individual bacterial colony on this like kind of soupy plate that you think you can only get that one 
and then you put that on a new plate and then grow it and then come back the next day and find out that you accidentally took like six different species and then you do it again yeah wow like a really gross claw machine yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) with no real prize at the end (laughs) except frustration yeah that sounds that sounds super challenging wow but you know i i I should give um a lot of credit here to some of my lab mates um who are like molecular biology geniuses um (laughs) they are like yeah they did so much of that molecular work and it wouldn't have been possible without them so yeah the credit needs to go there big ups to the lab (laughs) this thing on yes oniric Notes to Oniric, Day 1, by Tefer Troy, Doctoral Candidate, Alternative Narrative Traditions, Université de Montréal, October 12, 683. Oniric. Hello, Deirdre. I hope you're well. I'm recording this now because today's a big day. I'm meeting with a talking wolf after lunch. I'm a bit nervous about it. Oniric. A flame that rides the winds of worlds. A flame that seeks a single torch. The torch burns bright. The torch burns out. The flame remains and rides anew. Oniric. It's a dream quest. It's a grail quest. It's a fever dream quest. Oniric. Just say hi. Please. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Fuck's sake. Hi, Deirdre. Hope you're well. You're well rid of this idiot. Oniric. In the Podcavern, and wherever you get your podcasts. So you're doing a master's in pest management. What are some other, is your lab all focused on stable flies, or are there other pests that are, are big bads in your in your group? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a few different ones. Um, so the lab has been running for like 20, 30 years. Uh, and over that time, there's been like all sorts of pests that they've dealt with. Mm. Right now, there's a lot of stable fly stuff going. There's uh, horn flies, which are similar to stable flies. Um, there's a lot of stuff on ants, uh, mm. carpenter ants, fire ants, things like mm. that. There's bed bugs, which are always yeah. fun. Uh, mosquitoes, ticks, all sorts of uh, yeah. really all the baddies. Fun things. Yeah. When I was a kid, bed bugs were like not real, right? They were so rare <laughs> in urban real. centers. No, we'd say, good night, sleep tight, don't, don't let, let the, the bed, bed bugs bite. bite. And you'd right. have to ask yeah. what the hell's a bed bug because yeah. they were not part of the conversation. It's true. It's like Maybe a leprechaun. It's also because I was five. Yeah. But do you know why? I don't know this isn't your bug of choice <laughs> or anyone's. <laughs> why are bed bugs so bad now? Yeah, why are they so hot right now? Why are, why are bed bugs so hot? <laughs> I'm. I'm... I'm not sure. I, I imagine it must have something to do with just all of the like, um, just the amount of like movement back and forth between yeah. places. And I know travel is a big one where mm. sometimes they're they infest like a hotel and someone goes and stays there and then they bring them home and it spreads and it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, you're absolutely right though. Like it even feels like a few years ago it wasn't like a huge thing, and then now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, burn your clothes after a trip. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm on what is this bug subreddit, and I it's 99% bed bugs, one percent house caterpillars. Wow, people don't 
identify a house caterpillar. They, if you've never seen one, they oh, look insane. I mean, they look insane even if you have seen one. <laughs> <laughs> what are some, are there some like hot new pests on the horizon that you guys <laughs> know about? Yeah, what are the pests we should look out for? The top three hot new pests. <laughs> you won't believe number five. <laughs> kind of like the hot pest of the season this year um oh everyone's everyone's talking about mosquitoes all Mm. which is kind of like always um ticks are a big thing Mm -hmm. right um those are kind of the the constants and i mean it's it's it makes sense mosquitoes are the deadliest animal in the world they Mm -hmm. you know they do kill more people than than anyone or any other animal so yeah there are some of those like constant pests that keep you know staying at the forefront in terms of like newer ones i think that nowadays especially with um more and more cannabis farming Mm -hmm. there's uh more interest in pests of specifically uh cannabis so we have uh, some work in in our lab on root aphids so again pests of like cannabis plants so also obviously a very economically important of course yeah that's wild so now that you've found some bacteria that the stable flies like to sniff out, we don't know exactly the chemicals, but we know the sort of bacteria they seem to be liking. Is the next step, like, are you going to be working on designing those traps or is that like someone else in the future? That will most likely be someone else in the future. I, I tried a few um, field trials with some kind of like with, with the bacteria and some other kind of ways to maybe try something or to get something going out in the real world. They didn't go great, um, which is fine. That's part of science, <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens sure. forever. but yeah, I think that uh, this is kind of one small piece, very, very small mm-hmm. piece of what will become a much larger uh, puzzle for mm-hmm. someone to hopefully solve down the road. Hopefully very soon. What do they do now for stable flies? Uh, There's a lot of spraying, which is, you know, effective, but of course has a lot of Mm. um, peripheral effects. Right. And also they've been known to develop resistance to them. Um, There's a lot of like sanitary measures, like clean up everything, which is very hard to do on a farm when you have like 50 cows there that are, you know, pooping everywhere and providing a lot of... uh, OB position or egg laying sites for the flies. So there's there's really not too much in terms of like effective, you know, long term management strategies, which is unfortunate, but hopefully we can mm-hmm. change that soon. Hmm. So say if you were you're working on a master's in pest management, but your yeah. undergrad was in ecology, how did you get into pests? Yeah. So in my last semester as an undergraduate student, I started volunteering in uh, this lab, the grease lab. Um, I was working on um, European fire ants uh, at the time, Oof. which are, yeah, I, I was, I mean, I still am terrified of insects. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was terrific. Wow, um, good exposure therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I just did a little bit of volunteer work there. I really enjoyed being in a lab setting. I had never I never really known that that was like an option up until Mm -hmm. then. And I was like, oh, this is this is great. I like even though at that time I was like washing dishes and like just helping out with like, you know, the the extra tasks that the grad students didn't have enough time to do themselves. um, I was like, this is awesome. This is the environment I want to be in. And then thankfully, my uh, PI, uh, Gerhard Grease, offered me a, a spot in the lab. And yeah, and then here I am. 
and you hate bugs and you know there's Uh, other like i don't want to get you kicked out of your lab but you know there's labs that don't work on bugs he's trying to kill them (laughs) it's it's, yeah it's the long con yeah 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 play the long game are you like they're fine as long as they're dead when i see them or like every day you see these bugs you're like ah i have to do it though uh kind of at the beginning it was a little bit it was a little bit uncomfortable we keep the so we have like a lab colony of flies and they're in these like these these cages about 45 by 45 uh centimeter cages and so there's like maybe at least a thousand of them in there wow yeah and when you need them for experiments you got to like shove your hand into the cage and like grab them with a petri dish and (gasps) yeah um which like when I started was uh, obviously terrifying and I yeah. was like, you know, anxiety filled mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but, you know, like you said, Vinny, it's, it's exposure therapy. And it, right. after a while, it's like, all right, these guys are. Okay. So okay. you've been bit by stable flies in the line uh, of duty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you have a side project looking at the change in your health and conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> Just as a grad student in general. Again, there's many. It's multifactored. Yeah, yeah. There's several factors. Teasing that apart <laughs> yeah. is a challenge. So after your master's safe, what's what's next? Do you know what you want to do next academically? So, that's a good question. I would like to start working. I don't know if I'm if I'm ready for more school right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd like to do something, some kind of work i'm trying to keep the options as open as possible yeah because you know i know that it's not always the job market out there is not always great and it's you know it's good to keep keep the options open um Mm -hmm. but that said you know something in like um in in like teaching would be amazing anything that it's possible to like be creative and have a lot of fun Mm. with what you're doing is yeah basically i'm trying to say i want your job (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's good it's good to know that there's like it's not a linear path like you don't have to continue on to more academics if you don't want to so many people feel like they have to and i think there's a lot of pressure sometimes internal sometimes external to like all right i did my master's and i got to might as well good just do a few more and finish that phd but yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong with like taking a break or leaving it entirely yeah a wise person once told me, if you're not sure you want to do the PhD, you don't want to do the PhD. Right. <laughs> That's good advice. You can yeah. always go back. If, yes. you, if yeah. at the beginning your enthusiasm is waiting. That's a bad sign. That's a bad place <laughs> to be. Three years in, it's going to be a tough slog, a tough slog. It's so good to hear your story, too, that you like hated bugs, but you knew you liked working in a lab, and like you found a situation yeah. that works that you probably would not have thought of before entering it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it really kind of like goes to show like it's it's fine to like step a little bit out of your comfort zone every once in a while obviously Mm -hmm. you don't want to like you know push yourself too far and like get into something that you're super uncomfortable with but right you know dipping a toe in the water is always uh, a great way to go and it'll you know it opens a lot of doors for sure totally so how so safe how did you get into biology in the first place like did you grow up like in a very outdoorsy place or just something you're curious about yeah i um i I always enjoyed uh, my science classes growing up. Um, and mm. then in high school, I had, um, I mean, all my high school teachers were amazing. I was very lucky. But my bio teachers in particular were just like incredible. And it really, you know, made an impact. And so I was like, okay, 
I don't know what I want to do long term, but right now I want to learn more bio. Mm -hmm. And so um, going into university, I was like, okay, I'll take I'll take as many bio courses as I can. And ecology in particular was the one that after a few years was like, okay, that that's what I want to study. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Ecology for me, too. When I was in I was in the med school track. Because what else do you do when you don't know about jobs in the sciences? That was my situation. I was just told, you're smart. You're good at science. You must do science. You You become a doctor. And so that was just the plan. And in my first year, I was super interested in the ecology unit. It was the first time I'd really had a whole chunk of education just in that area. And it was actually my friends that pointed out that I was constantly talking about the ecology stuff and like, oh, and then I found out this predator prey, Lodka Volterra. And they're like, well, (laughs) that's obviously what you're interested in. And then I was like, what? And that's when I, you know, went in that direction. Yeah. It's amazing because it's like you find something that you're super passionate about and then you often trick yourself into thinking that it's not possible to like actually Mm. do that because how could I it's so much fun that can't be like a job that's Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's part of the goal of this podcast like I see my SAGEP students so they're like pre-university age and they still are in that I'm good at science I become doctor because they don't know Mm -hmm. like there's not tv shows that show researchers right you don't know of these other jobs there's so many different paths to Mm. go down and the ideas that we have when we're making these decisions are so underinformed. Uh, and there's so many paths forward through STEM fields. That, we're gonna change uh, that with one podcast <laughs> at a time. Right. <laughs> cool. So, so safe. You mentioned some of your hobbies. Yes. Mm-hmm. You like movies and TV. Let's get some recs. What are yeah. some hot new movies for or you? Or TV shows that you're into? Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of on that note, just to. Um, you you were you guys were mentioning shows that at season four completely changed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Prison Break was one for me that. Oh. Yeah. When I got to that point, was just like, oh, this is a new show now. It's <laughs> um, nothing to do with Prison Break. Yeah. I mean, there's... when you choose a title like yeah. that, you know how you can't. Are you breaking out every time? Like at the end of the season, oh, you got me again. <laughs> like, <laughs> eventually, we're moving away from the prison, yeah, yeah. right? We gotta, we gotta put him back in prison. He's gonna get out again. Not this time. Oh, he did. <laughs> I think maybe maybe odd numbered seasons were prison break out, and then yes. even numbered right. seasons. They break, break back in. Break in. in. <laughs> yeah. break in. Did they ever? I never watched Prison Break. Did they ever have to break into the prison? Because that's amazing. I, I I think so. I think at some point somebody <laughs> yeah. was. There's just a lot of lot of breaking of prisons going on. I think the first season is a break out. They have to break yeah. out of the prison, of and then the yeah. second season they have to break someone else out of a prison. Right. Yeah. And then I think in like later later seasons they started a small business of just prison breaking <laughs> random people or was that a different show yeah i don't i'd never watched it i, I don't want to know because this is now the reality now for now me. Gonna pick i like i like a world where they just took the name too seriously and they think of other connotations <laughs> of break so like they physically break the prison you know, oh, so yeah. prison break, yeah. you broke it. Or the prisoners go on strike. <laughs> like, oh, we're on break. We're taking a break from this. Yeah, that's only got, you know, they made four seasons yeah, they made, of Impressive. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It should just be one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what, are, what yeah. other shows what are, are you watching? Let's yeah. give, what give us some yeah, yeah, We love yeah, it. We, we love we it. We need more. Oh, what am I watching? I just, um, I just finished watching uh, Twin Peaks. I don't know if, uh, I know, I know that show is from like, uh, 
30 years ago now, but <laughs> it's it's it, it was great. It was great. Have you guys yeah. had the chance to watch it? Oh, yeah. I haven't watched the new I one. I haven't watched the new one either. Do you yeah, recommend the new stuff too? I, I haven't seen the new new season because I don't okay. have the streaming service, whatever it's on. But yeah, that was uh, that was it's a, a trip. weird. That, yeah, it's a <laughs> it was a trip. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird show, but yeah. entertaining. It's yeah. in- it's different. It's definitely different. <laughs> That's the word. And you yeah. play, play poker. poker what, are, yeah. what are some of your yeah. hot poker tips? It's just you, you gotta you gotta know when to hold. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Any other gotta, tip? Gotta know when to fold. Oh, interesting. <laughs> top two, the t- gotta, top two rules of poker gotta, club. Yeah. Gotta know when to walk away and <laughs> know when to run and the rest of the lyrics of the. <laughs> Kenny, I was gonna say Kenny Loggins, but it's, it's Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, the other Kenny. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's amazing. And let's let's hear about this half dog, half potato. What yeah, makes your, <laughs> what makes them half? And Wait, half? we have to guess what breed it is. Oh, it's a okay. Potato. What's the Ooh, most pit bull? Pit, uh, not a pit bull. What's the por- uh, cor- bu- no, bulldog? No, no. What's that dog? Pug. It's a pug. Oh, a pug. I'm betting it's a pug. I'm gonna um, go with bulldog. I uh, well, sorry to disappoint. I don't <laughs> actually know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it may well actually be potato. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's. I think she's got like a Shih Tzu Corgi stuff in there okay. uh, she got a haircut recently and now she looks like a chihuahua so you know oh. who knows who a knows? little mutt yeah. yeah she's a little mutt yeah what's what's your yeah. dog's name uh mimi a shout out mimi and what makes mimi a potato they're just like a couch potato they don't want to move yeah yeah she, she she's very cat-like she likes to go to like the highest point on the couch and just like lounge there and you you look at her and she just she just looks like a potato with legs there's just uh that's just amazing. has that uh, that vibe to them, like potato you, vibes. Yeah, yeah. Like you oh. hold up a russet potato, hold up <laughs> mini. Well, I can't what? tell the difference. I think we need. If you'd like to share a photo when we post sure. this episode, I yeah. think the people need to know. The people need to know potato dog. Yeah, we can speculate on her origins. <laughs> Amazing. Well, safe. I think we're out of time. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your research and your life. That was super fascinating. Good luck to you and the stable flies. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is awesome. Thank you. Awesome having you. Yeah. Thanks, Safe. Safe. Safe Niani. How nice. That was amazing. That was really cool. You wished good luck to the stable flies. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I, you know, I meant good luck to you with the stable right, flies, right, not right. I hope the stable flies win. Right. In that scenario, I'm Just to with clarify. the host. Yeah. In most, you know, when you're watching a nature movie, people are often cheering Ooh, for yes. the prey. Yes. And I cheer for the predator. Yes. So and like when the uh, pack of lions is chasing an antelope. Yes. Most people would cheer for the antelope Correct. to get away. I cheer for the predator because... I know mm-hmm. that the predator usually loses. Yeah. They are the underdog here. Yeah. And they're often starving. Yeah. They're the ones that need the win more than, at a population level than the prey. But when it comes to a parasite or pest, no question. No, no way. Host. Get out. Yeah. No, no, no. Get out of there. Yeah. Cows all the way. <laughs> cows. Team cows. Team cows. Team cows all the way. <laughs> uh, well, Vinny, that was our show. That's we learned show? a lot today yep. about. Uh, safety sexist cars <laughs> sexist cars yeah and, and the our thymus, thymus gland. don't keep throw it. it out keep your thymus don't throw it out yeah and, and of course lots about stable flies yeah, and the chemicals that draw them uh thanks to safe wow that's a lot that's a that's a, lot. That's a good episode right there I know. we learned a lot today yeah and real good <laughs>
<laughs> Vinny, you want to send us out on our socials? Yeah, if you want to follow us on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and or whatever x twitter oh god yeah just, just don't call don't, it twitter no we're just gonna delete that again <laughs> <laughs> don't say that i love i love the remnants of twitter okay okay so if you want to follow us on tiktok facebook instagram or the remnants of twitter <laughs> check us out at lrg pod that's lrg pod and if you are a grad student or know a grad student in the stem field and would love to be a guest Email us at learnrealgoodpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnrealgoodpodcast at gmail.com. I can't believe you remember all that. It's in my brain. It's going to be my final <laughs> words. I'm going to be, I'll be like, I won't recognize anybody, but I'll just keep saying that like LRG pod. Well, thank you, Vinny. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Safe. Thank you for listening. Thank we'll you, see listeners. you next time on Learn Real Good. Good. We'll work oh. on that harmony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.